الجزيرة بودكاست My daughter and her daughter in the future will not be able to experience the mountain the way I did. That's Dr. Pasang Yangzi Sherpa. She's talking about the Himalayan peaks in Nepal, the mountain region where Mount Everest is located. Mount Everest remains the ultimate achievement for many mountain climbers, and the number of people who try it just keeps growing. Every year, hundreds of intrepid mountaineers arrive at base camp, ready to attempt to reach its mighty 8.8-kilometre summit. But things are changing rapidly. Scientists are warning the glacier is melting at an alarming rate. Higher temperatures caused by climate change means those attempts are becoming increasingly dangerous for climbers and the guides. Ice that took 2,000 years to form is melting away on Mount Everest. While there is still time to consider options on how best to cope with climate change, for the people who live on the roof of the world, the consequences are real. So on the one hand, people would like to see more tourists. However, I think people are also realizing that there is a cost to it. There is a price to pay. And so we're asking how those who know the mountains best are impacted by and adapting to climate change. I'm Hala Mahiyadeen, and this is The Take. Dr. Pasang Yangzi Sherpa is an anthropologist from Nepal. I work in Canada at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. She has been studying how the Himalayan people are affected by rising temperatures. My research areas are climate change and indigeneity in Nepal and the Himalayas. Now, we know climate change is causing the glaciers in the Himalayan region to melt. Can you tell us about that? How urgent is the threat? If you had asked me a decade ago when I started my research, I would not feel so much urgency, but it's happening right in front of our eyes. And because we have cameras to record everything and transmit across the world within seconds and live, I think it's just hard to miss. And it's as urgent as it can get. So it's a matter of whether we want to see it or not at this point. Let's look at the effects that climate change is having on the mountaineering community and the mountaineering industry. Now, a lot of the local population in the Himalayas are heavily involved in the mountaineering industry and they need the mountains and the glaciers, I imagine, to remain intact. What are they telling you about the changes that they're seeing and how it's affecting them? So the mountaineering community are noticing a lot of um, changes on the mountains. And uh, I'm speaking of the Sherpa climbers who go there every season. That is twice a year. And every season they're going up and down the mountains several times. So the climbers who are working on the mountains are people who know the mountain very intimately. They're saying that every time they go back, the mountain looks different. So where there used to be ice last year, there's water. Where there used to be hard snow, now it's soft snow. The number of people trying to go to the summit has not decreased. So what that means is you see more and more crowd, and with crowd, you also see more and more accidents. 
Let's talk about some of the impacts of climate change that we're already starting to see around Everest. There's been the reduced snowfall, ice melting and flooding, but it's having a wider impact than that, isn't it? It is. So it's not just the melting of snow and ice. It's much more than that. When snow and ice melts, we're losing the mountains. We're losing so much of connection to the mountains, the intergenerational connection to the mountains. And people have very long intergenerational intimate connections to the mountains. But now with melting of glaciers and melting of ice and snow, our children are not going to experience the mountain the way I did, the way my parents and my grandparents did. And that kind of realization is quite saddening. What do you mean by that, your connection with the mountain? So for us, all of the mountains are sacred spaces. And when I think about my village, the first image that comes to my mind is the mountain, Yula, which is the protector deity of our region. And when I think about Kumbila or Kumbi Yula, I immediately feel a sense of home, feel a sense of belonging, feel a sense of being grounded. This cultural and spiritual connection the Sherpa people have with the mountains is something they consider sacred. I think sometimes when we get so focused on climate change and go after climate change, I think we miss this larger questions of survival, larger questions of sustainability and larger questions of just living and being. For decades, mountaineers have climbed Mount Everest with the help of guides, most of whom are ethnically Sherpa. They know the mountains best. Dawa Youngson Sherpa has been working as a mountain guide for 10 years. She's part of the Sherpa community. I am from Ruwaling Valley, which is west from the Everest region. I grew up surrounding mountains at an elevation of 4,200 metres. Dawa says that some people have misconceptions about her community. When we go abroad, like different countries, and we say Sherpa, then we get a lot of questions that do you climb Everest and how much we carry on Everest. Sherpa means people of the East in the Tibetan language, and it's the name of an ethnic group that migrated to Nepal from Tibet. Many of them settled around the Himalayan region. They have their own cultural traditions, language, foods, and attire. Sherpa is my family name. We are very adapted at high altitude. That's why most of the Sherpa people are climbers, but it doesn't mean that Sherpa means we climbed. Dawa first summited Everest in 2012 and has helped other climbers ever since. She says the trickiest part of the route is the Kumbu Icefall, which is around five and a half thousand metres above sea level. And it's where she has noticed worrying signs of climate change. Kumbu Icefall is considered one of the dangerous part of climbing Everest. Especially it's danger for Sherpa or a climber worker guides who have to do a couple of multiple times up and down. Kumbu Icefall is, um, is like a river of ice the size of cars, houses or big blocks. We have to climb through it and walking through the icefall we can see a lot of tower of ice above us. In fact, it's so tricky that there are guides who specialise in this part of the trek. There's a team of Sherpa called Icefall Doctors. They go and find a safer route. They fix the rope and breach the grasses so that climber can walk. 
every two to three days it keeps falling off the ice and also again they had to go and fix the route. The daytime sun makes it harder to cross, so the guides try to do that part of the journey overnight. Most of the climber started at 2 a.m. because the temperature is very cold. All of us wanted to cross that point before sunrise because it would be much more safer to cross before at least 5 a.m. or 6 because cold temperature kind of holds the glacier. It will be a little easier in dark because you can see what's above you and sometimes better and also we don't know when it's going to fall out. And Dawa has seen it fall. She described it as an avalanche of giant blocks of ice. But that's not the only unusual thing on the mountain today. Dawa witnessed the melting snow on her latest trip, another sign of climate change. The changes I can see every day it was a lot of news rock and the ice wall doctors keep maintaining the routes every day. And also even one time we were walking after the summit, we were coming back and we can see some running water around the ice falls and it's pre-melting very fast and the melting processing and the route changing was very much quicker than what I saw in 10 years ago. It was like a running water, kind of like river flowing down from the camp between ice fall. So that was like big change, but most changing is you can see a lot of melting earlier. Like even now you can see like those things already in little earlier than usual. Melting ice means the guides constantly have to find new, safer routes up the mountain. And while the mountaineering industry does provide a huge income for the country, it's the environment that's paying the price, with hundreds of mountaineers from all over the world gathering for two annual climbing seasons. During the climbing season, especially in spring season, there will be a lot of people there, uh, not only climbers, but more porters, um, kitchen helpers, cooks and staffs. So there will be a big town at base camp and definitely there is a lot of human impact on the glacier, which is what we cannot control. The mountains have been littered with plastic bottles, discarded tents, oxygen canisters, ropes, shovels. We used a barrel for the human waste and the, there's a porters who carry down and dump the human waste. So the human waste are very controlled at base camp. But is some some something we can control are like pee and all this kerosene stuff. Human activity and climate change have prompted Nepal to look for options on how best to manage the impact. One option is moving base camp. We asked the tourism ministry to comment on this, but we've not had a response so far. Even Sherpas working on the mountain don't have the solution. I think it will be impossible, but either way it would be good for the climate it would be good to move to base camp, but for the climbing Everest and for the climbers, it may be a little difficult. Dawa says moving base camp would make the actual climb to the top much longer and harder. But whatever decision is made, climate change is already making the mountain much more dangerous to summit. And these changing circumstances are already having an impact on the next generation of Sherpa. A lot of Sherpa kids are getting higher educations, going abroad. They're studying, they are like 
doctor, businessman, or different thing level, but I don't think they will come back. Dawa thinks older generations never thought they had a choice other than to work in the industry. As a old generation, they never, they didn't go to school and they didn't have education, so they have to choose this work. But now their kids have education, so they got a lot of more opportunities and a lot of option of job that they don't have to climb unless they wanted to climb. Climate change kind of impacting younger generation. There's few younger generation coming back to mountain, but they care about environment. Most of the Sherpa community who are already climber doesn't want their kids to become mountaineer, but they are happy if they want to climb as a passion. And this has also prompted Dawa to think about the choices her own children will have to make about their future. For my kids, if they love mountain and they wanted to do this, it's their choice, but I don't want them to take this as a career, but it is very Rick's job. Since I've been doing this career for living, I have survived few times from the nearly death. I chose this job since I was very young. I didn't uh, choose because I loved it. I didn't have a lot of options when I was younger. But now I think things are changing. But it's not only the youth who have to look for ways to adapt. We'll be back with more on that after this quick break. Hello, I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. In season four, we carry on exploring the lives of history's most notable figures, from Rosa Parks to Pol Pot. We meet the people who changed the way we think about our world and those who left it marked by their infamy. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts. So, Dr. Passang, we know that the Nepalese government is considering a number of options about how best to cope with climate change, and one of them is relocating the base camp. Do you think this is a viable solution? I definitely think it's one solution. If the base camp where people camp currently, if that's not safe, I think it just only makes sense to find another location that is safer. But because Everest is crowded now and there are a lot of people, a lot of groups coming in, there is the need of some kind of management. A staggering amount of human excrement is also being left on the mountain slope. 4,000 litres of urine is dumped at base camp every day. And because climbers spend weeks on the peak adjusting to the altitude, they generate several kilos of waste. Every year uh, on Everest, with every single person, there is a kind of bio-waste that happens. And that affects the place, the ice and the snow. And that's just a very obvious thing, in my opinion. However, from a local perspective, when we are thinking of moving base camps, I think what should be paid attention to is the sacredness of the site. It's not just about finding an empty space, but finding a space that is culturally okay to be used. And when I say culturally okay, I'm talking about the spiritual aspect of it, but I'm also talking about the protection of local lives in those areas. 
if the Nepali government or anyone wants to use any open space in the mountain areas, they definitely have to consult the local people who have been using this area, who have been living in this area as their homeland for generations, and who, in my opinion, knows best how to guard and protect the lives in these areas. Climate change is here, and it's going to continue apace. Given this reality, do you envisage a scenario where it becomes too unsafe for climbers to attempt to summit Mount Everest? Is this something that you see as a possibility? The way I see it, I think climbing was never a safe thing to do. And I say that with a lot of humility because every season we see people dying. Every season, Sherpas die. Like every single season, every single spring, So that's just the truth. But the question then is, why do people still go on the mountain? And why still uh, Sherpas risk their lives, risk not only their lives, but their families' lives, their children's lives? Because if the person, if the father or the mother loses their life, the breadwinner is gone. With climate change, it adds additional layer of challenge, additional layer of safety issue. And, and the base camp moving is just one example. It's just one indication of how unsafe it is and it can be. The safety concerns are not limited to base camp. Unpredictable weather patterns means it's sometimes not safe for flights to run. And that means a lull in the number of tourists arriving. So one of the ways weather and climate change directly impacts livelihood of Sherpas in the Kumbu region today is how many times the flights get cancelled to Lukla from Kathmandu. Because that's one of the ways, if you're not walking, that's the only way to get to the Everest region, to Kumbu region. And if there are no flights, that means there are no tourists. And if there are no tourists, that means there is no income for the people in the region. But how are flights connected to cancellation of flights? How is that connected to climate change? So the general idea is that in the spring and autumn, these are the two tourist seasons. And so April, May, September, October, November. So these are the best times to visit the Himalayas. What we're seeing is that in the past, April, May and October, November, the weather patterns were predictable and people could predict that the weather would clear up, and flights would go. However, now the weather changes unpredictably within hours. What do you think Nepal can do on a local scale to try and adapt to these changes? I think it is relevant to talk about limiting the number of tourists, number of mountaineers. But I think it's quite sensitive and it has to be done with 100% local consultation. And I'm not talking about just informing the local communities when everything is over. But I think uh, the local people who actually live in the region should be consulted as equal partners when making these kinds of decisions. What message do you want the international community to hear and what action would you like to see happening? I would like the world community to see the Sherpas who live in this region, who call this region home, and to see from their perspective how their home is changing. And with that, recognize how there is grief, how there is sadness. 
But there is also excitement about the future, excitement about the possibilities of what we can do together, and excitement for the future generation. And that's the take. This episode was produced by Ruby Zaman, with Chloe K. Lee, Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke, Ashish Malhotra, Negin Oliai, and me, Hala Mahiadine. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya El Malek and Adam Abugad are our engagement producers. Ney Alvarez is our head of audio. With special thanks to Riza Ali, who provided the audio from Everest Heard in this episode. We'll be back on Wednesday.